You are listening to Press Church Podcast. Please enjoy this week's message. The title of my sermon today is Where Are You? Where are you? Look at your neighbor, look at somebody around you, and let's just ask a simple question. Where are you? Where are you? Turn to somebody else, not your first option, now your second option. Ask them, where are you? Where are you? That's the title of the sermon today. I want to encourage you today as we get to the end of 2019. We're about to close out this year. We need to take some time in our lives to examine ourselves and see where we are in our life and in our relationship with God. We need to figure out where we are. There's a TV series uh, that I enjoy. Uh, It's called Band of Brothers. It was a World War II movie. Well, it started off uh, as a TV series on HBO, and it follows these men throughout the journey of World War II. I'm a huge World War II fan, love everything, I mean, outside of the the death and war part of it. I enjoy um, just seeing these mighty men and women go into battle, fight the face of evil, uh, and overcome uh, in triumph. in New Orleans, they have that uh, great D-Day and World War II museum that is uh, wonderful. If you ever get the chance to go and, and check that out, please do. Um, and in Band of Brothers, there's a, um, a soldier who drops in on D-Day. He's a sergeant. He's leading a team. And they jump in behind enemy lines on D-Day. The, the morning of, it's pitch black. He lands there without a weapon, Sergeant Winters, and he finally meets up with some people and they're trying to figure out their mission. They're trying to find the map, trying to find out where they are. They're trying to figure everything out. And they're caught up in these tiny details of, I've got to go to this road. I've got to go to this street. I've got to go to this junction, to this town. And I've got to take care of my mission. And they're asking Sergeant Winters, where are we? I'm trying to figure out our base of where we're at. And he goes, you know where we are. We're in France. It's D-Day. And all of a sudden, this sergeant takes this what was tied up in the weeds and the details of these soldiers who were so focused on the mission of where they were, he brings it up high level and says, we're in France, we're exactly where we need to be. And sometimes in our lives, we can get so caught up in the craziness of our lives. Something happens, and in one month, we're knocked on our feet. The whole year could have been a good year, but in one moment, we get caught up in the details and we forget about the big picture of who God is and what he's done this year in our lives. As I've been thinking over the last couple of days, beginning of the year, God, he always gives me at least one word for the whole year. He's done that for the last several years. I talked about it at the beginning of the year, and uh, my word this year was faith. But not only faith, he told me to have audacious faith. Faith that went far beyond the borders, far beyond the, 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 the plane of reality. And to go out there and really step out in faith. And I said, okay, God, I'll, I'll, I'll do what I can to have audacious faith. At the beginning of the year, God told us, told me in the shower, it's time to have another baby. I said, I rebuke you, devil. It is not time to have another baby. I like sleeping. That's, that's fun. God said, it's vital for her to be born before the end of this year. I said, okay, yes, sir. So we decided to have a baby. By February, we were pregnant. The first pregnancy that we had wasn't really the best of pregnancies. There were some things that we believed for with Noah. There were some things that we prayed for. And there were some things that spiraled out of control in 
the pregnancy that led to an emergency C-section, to the baby's heart dropping, to just some crazy things that, that we were believing for that we didn't see the answer that we thought we were supposed to see. And we both had, for being honest, some faith issues about having another kid. Because we believed God for some things and, and we didn't see the manifestation of that. We still had a healthy baby. And God reminded me, audacious faith. I said, yes, sir. And we started planning out again what we wanted God to do in this pregnancy. And we started asking God to control Maddie's weight, have a small baby, not going to have a C-section. Prayed step after step after step. My wife had a natural childbirth, had a beautiful baby, healthy, whole, exactly what we needed and what we were praying for. Every, everything that we prayed for for this baby and this birth came to pass. I bought a house, first time I've ever bought a house. We signed papers in February. Easter, we changed the name of the church and rebranded us to what I believe God has called us to be and who we are called to be. I talked to you all a couple weeks ago about a hospital bill. $1,400 hospital bill has been reduced to $200. I've talked to you about some things that, that God has been doing throughout this year, but I could get caught up in these small little trivial things in my life and forget about the big picture because I've got to ask this question, where am I? What's, what's going on in my life that we get caught up and blinded by a small situation, but when we take a step back and look at the big picture, hey, we're in France, we're right where we're supposed to be, like Sergeant Winter says. The scripture that we're going to talk about today is 2 Corinthians 13, verses 5 and 6. 2 Corinthians 13, 5 through 6. This is Paul writing to the church of Corinth. This is his second letter. This is the last chapter of his second letter. He's finishing up writing these two massive letters, and he's just trying to, to spitball some things out. He's getting some, some final instructions out to the church of Corinth. And he tells them in verse 5, Examine yourself as to whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not know yourselves that Jesus Christ is in you, unless indeed you are not disqualified? Verse 6, but I trust that you will know that you are not and we are not disqualified. As we try and figure out where we are as we close up 2019, I want to give you some steps. Number one, examine yourself. Number two, test yourself. Number three, remind yourself is where we're going today. Examine yourself, test yourself, and remind yourself. Number one, we're going to examine ourselves. Examine yourself as to whether you are in the faith. That word, examine, means to try whether a thing can be done, to make trial of or test, to try whether a thing can be done. Paul is telling them to examine themselves as to whether they are in the faith and in faith. That we need to test ourselves to find out in my life, in my situation, am I operating in faith or am I operating in fear? Am I operating and believing what God has told me or am I operating and believing what the world has told me? How do we do that? How do I examine myself and test myself if I'm in the faith? Well, a couple months back, we had a sermon series that said, Faith it till you make it. I don't know if you remember that sermon series, but we talked about faith. And there's a faith cycle where we can examine ourselves to see if we're in the faith. Number one, we want to check our heart. 
How do we check our heart to see if we are in faith? Luke 6, 45. A good man, out of the good treasure of his heart, brings forth good. And an evil man, out of the evil treasures of his heart, brings forth evil. Here's how we check it. For out of the abundance of the heart, his or her mouth speaks. Okay, so I can check my heart and see where I'm at in my faith level by hearing what my mouth says. Because out of the abundance of my heart, my mouth is going to speak. When something happens in your life, the first thing that you say is what's in your heart. When a trial, tribulation, when you stub your toe, something happens at work, something happens in your relationships, something happens in your car, the first thing that comes out your mouth is going to be what's in your heart. And you might not like what that is sometimes. Or you might be surprised. You might be impressed. Way to go, heart. So how do I, how do I fix that? Okay, well, let's see. The next step of this faith cycle is our mouth. Proverbs 18, 21, death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. It puts a very important stance on the mouth and the tongue. Death and life are in the power of the bank account. Death and life are in the power of the muscles. Death and life are in the power of the position. If you're a president, if you're a king, if you've got money, if you've got guns, if you've got houses and cars, if you've got nice clothes, no, 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 no. Death and life are in the power of your tongue. So now all of a sudden, I see what comes out of my heart when I start speaking and I find out what I'm speaking and pay attention. Is that death? Is that life? Am I in faith? Am I in fear? Am I talking God language? Or am I talking the world's language? Okay, well now, pastor, you've, you've put me in a bad position because now I don't know what to do. I found out I'm talking death, and how do I fix that? Hey, God is good. He answers. He shows us in the scriptures how to help us. Here's the third part of the faith cycle. Hearing. Romans 10, 17. So then, faith comes by hearing, and thank you, God, for giving us the answer. What am I supposed to hear? The word of God. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing the Word of God. So how do I change my heart? How do I change what I'm saying? I've got to start hearing the Word of God. And luckily, right now, without you even knowing, you are starting and refreshing your faith cycle. I am speaking the Word of God into your ears. You are hearing that, which is causing the faith to rise up inside of your heart, which means the next time you encounter something, life should come out of your mouth. But I'm only here for an hour and 15 of your life, of, your, of the week. I'm not following you everywhere you go speaking scripture. That's, I've got a baby and try and sleep somewhere around there. I can't follow each and every one of you. And as you say something, say, uh-uh-uh. The Bible says this. That's why we have the Holy Spirit inside of us. It says that he's our teacher. It says that he's our comforter. It says that he's our helper. Because he's the one who can help correct us in the moment when our heart reveals and our mouth reveals what's truly in our heart. How do we test ourselves to see if we're in the faith? We go on this faith cycle, and it's a cycle that you have to do daily. Sometimes you have to do hourly. Sometimes you have to do it by the second. 
as a situation is happening, as something's going on in your life and it feels like the world is falling apart and you just want to say those words of death. Well, that always happens to me. It's happened in my family, so it's going to happen to me. This has always been that way. This is, no, no, no. That's where we correct ourselves and catch ourselves and say, whoa, whoa, whoa. There's something not right in my heart because my mouth is telling me that. So how do I correct that? I need to go to the Word of God and start putting that in my ears. And that'll correct my heart and that'll correct my mouth. And that'll correct my life journey where I'm going to start speaking life. That's how we test and examine ourselves to see if we're in the faith. And it's something that we can do immediately. We can immediately recognize, whoa, 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 that's, that's not in line with God's word. If we pay attention and listen with our ears with what we're saying. And a lot of times, I'm guilty of it myself, of if I stop and listen to myself of what I'm saying, ah, that tongue is a powerful thing. Read about it in James. Mm. Can't believe you said that. Why are you saying that? Where's that coming from? You don't believe that. You know what God says. This is dialogue that I have with myself all the time. Where did that come from? Why did you say that? Why are you thinking that? What's going on? The Bible says this. My wife corrects me all the time. Why are you saying that? That's not what the Bible says. You're right, babe. I'm sorry. This is what the Bible says. My son has been a, and becoming a big fan of superheroes. He loves Batman. Amen. He loves Spider-Man. We watched one of the Avengers movies uh, two nights ago, Endgame. And he's always putting a cape on or some type of outfit on, and he's running around the house, and he's jumping off of things, jumping off the sofa. Guarantee you after service, somehow I'm going to have to yell at him to get off the chairs because he's going to be running and jumping off of there. He's got this Spider-Man, I think it's Spider-Man kite, that he started getting on top of the sofa with the kite, running, and then jumping off trying to fly. My son asked me the other day after the Avengers movie, he said, Dad, when can I learn to fly like the superheroes? I said, oh. It's like this is a make or break moment. I've got to choose my answer carefully. And he said, when I get older, I want to fly like Iron Man. I want to fly like Batman or Spider-Man. And so me being a father, I told him the only viable answer. I said, you'll only fly if you eat your vegetables. I mean, I've, <laughs> come on. I've got to. But I thought I have a perfect opportunity to crush his dreams. Say, son, humans, humans don't fly. I'm, I'm sorry. There's, you can't flap your arms. You, you can't shoot off like a speeding bullet. Or I can teach him and show him, if you want to be a pilot, you can fly. If you want to be in the military, they let you jump out of planes with a parachute and you can fly. There's, there's ways that I can encourage him and show him that whatever you dream, whatever you believe, whatever you're stepping out in faith and believing, he's testing himself. Even at the young age of four, he's testing himself, saying, I haven't seen anybody else fly except for in the TV, but I want to fly. And he keeps stepping out in faith as he jumps off that sofa Time and time again as he runs with that kite, thinking one day that wind's going to catch him and he's going to take off. And I sit there and listen to my four-year-old son and I start getting taught how to operate in faith in my own life. To how to test myself. Because a lot of times I do want to fly. 
I do want to be healed. I do want to be saved. I do want to walk in the favor and all the promises and benefits that God has in the Bible. But I stand on the edge of my life. I stand on the edge of the sofa and I never jump. And I never reach out to God. And I'm right there. And God, I I want to be healed, but I, I don't know if you heal. I want to be saved, but I, I don't know if, if I sinned a whole bunch. I don't think you can save me from my sins. I want this relationship to be restored. And I've learned over the last couple of weeks of watching my son with full abandonment, with childlike faith, running with that cape on, with, that, with these boots on, with these, this, this kite, as he runs full force believing that he's going to jump off and he's going to soar family, we need to test ourselves and examine ourselves if we're in the faith to see if you believe what God truly says about you in your situation. You need to check your faith cycle and find out if you pass or fail. And it's okay if you find out that you're failing, if you're speaking death, because there's a way that you can instantly change it. Just start listening to the Word of God. Just start speaking the Word of God, and it will change your faith cycle immediately. Don't be discouraged. Don't be discouraged and say, well, I guess I'm failing as a Christian. I'm, I'm not talking right. I'm not living. I'm not doing this. No, 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 no. Now's the time where sin abounded. Grace so much more abounded. It goes further than anything that we feel like we could fail. Examine yourself to see if you're in the faith. The second part. Paul tells us to test ourselves. Test ourselves. That word test means to test, to examine, to prove, to scrutinize, to recognize as genuine after examination, to approve or deem worthy. To approve or deem worthy. There's got to be a point in each and every one of our lives where we have to decide if this book is worthy. We have to decide in our own personal life if we approve of what is said in this book. And if this book is true, if everything in this book is true, and it says that it's for me and I'm not seeing it in my life, then I need to test myself up against this word. How do you test yourself up against this word? How do you test the Bible to see if it's true or not? It falls back in line with your faith walk. I'm just going to start declaring these words over the words of what's being said out there. I'm just going to test and see if this book is real. I'm just going to test and see if God is real. I'm just going to talk to him like he's standing right here. I'm just going to believe that he sent his son to die for me, that the gospel says that Christ died for my sins. Not everybody in the world, that's great, but he died for my sins, my failures, my insecurities. He was buried in a tomb and he rose again the third day. He wrote my name in the book of life. And one day he's coming back for me. He wants to heal me. He wants to restore me. And when I start believing that, I start testing, God, is that true? Do you truly love me? Do you truly care about me? I'm glad that you love everybody in this church, everybody in the world. That's, that's great and all. But God, I need you right now in my life. And I'm going to test and see if this word is worthy. I'm going to see if what it says is true. I'm going to start applying it to my life. 1 Thessalonians 5, we're going to read 16 through 24. Paul speaking to the church of Thessalonica. Verse 16, he says, Rejoice always. 
17, he says, pray without ceasing. Verse 18, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Verse 19 says, do not quench the spirit. Verse 20 says, do not despise prophecies. That's a whole other sermon right there. Just know, don't despise prophecies. 21, test all things. Hold fast to what is good. Let's stop right there. Verse 21, test all things. This word test is the same word in the passage that we are reading. To deem and prove if something is worthy. Paul is telling the church of Thessalonica, test all things. And once you test all things, then what are you supposed to hold fast to? What is good. Which means after you test all things and you realize that something is bad, it's time to let it go. It's time to let it go. Test all things. All things. Test all things. Test the Word of God. Test God. And if He's true and He's good, then Paul tells us you better hold fast to it. Test this church. Test Press Church. Are we a good church? Test me as your pastor. Am I a good pastor? Or am I a bad pastor? Am I preaching the Word of God? Am I not preaching the Word of God? Are we doing something for the community with God's movement in mind in this church? Test us. Test us. And if we're good, hold on to us. Get involved. Serve. Show up. Tell people about it. Invite people. If you deem that we're bad, go find a good church. I love you. But test all things. And when you test those things, you're going to find out if it's good or bad. Test relationships. There are some relationships that you formed in 2019 or you've had that you need to test and find out, is it good or not? Is it helping me grow? Is it holding me back? Is it pushing me toward God? Is it pushing me toward? Or is it holding me back? I might need to let go of some things. Test all things. Examine all things and find out. Deem it if it's worthy. And if it's worthy and it's good, Paul tells us right here, hold fast to it. Don't let it go. Verse 22, abstain from every form of evil. As your pastor here, I am here to encourage you and tell you to abstain from every form of evil. Do not sin. Don't sin. Don't do it. Run toward God. Run toward Him. And as you run toward Him, as you draw near to Him, you will get more of a heart like Him. Abstain from every form of evil. Verse 23. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. Amen. Amen. And may your whole spirit, soul, and body be persevered, blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. I love this scripture right here. Verse 24. He who calls you is faithful. Amen. <laughs> he who calls you is faithful. God has called you. And if he called you, Pastor Eric tells me all the time, if he's ordained it, he's going to sustain it. If he's called you, then he's faithful to his word. He's faithful to his sons and daughters. He's faithful to his kingdom. He's faithful to his church. If he calls you, he's faithful, and he'll also do it. He'll also do it. He'll also do it. God is in the doing business. He's not just faithful to heal. He wants to heal you. 
He's not just faithful to save. He wants to save you. He'll do it. It's not just a pie in the sky. I hope he does this. Maybe he'll show up. Maybe he can save me. Maybe he can restore me. I'm failing here. I'm struggling here. Maybe God cares. No, no, no. It says he'll do it. He's faithful. He who calls you is faithful. Who also will do it? Me and my son, we watch these videos on YouTube because that's what he likes to do. And so we, we watch these people playing video games. We just, they just play video games. We watch them. And uh, we, we, um, we watch people uh, open up uh, trading cards. He's, he's big into watching people open up packs of cards. Uh, he likes watching people put Legos together. Um, I like him watching people put Legos together because there aren't Legos all over my house. Um, and so, so we just, uh, we've got like four or five uh, people that put up videos every week or a couple times a week. And I make it a priority to find the, the video and me and him sit down and we watch these videos and we pause it and point these things out. And there's this guy uh, who opens up these trading cards. And uh, he's... He's been doing it for like five years. He's opened up many, many, many packs of cards. And uh, he knows the ins and outs of all of these cards. He'll open them up and he'll turn it on the back side, and he'll say, okay, uh, it looks like the spacing's good here. There's, there's no uh, markings from the computer. And I'm like, it looks like a normal card from what I'm watching on YouTube. And he'll turn it over and say, look at the color, look at the shading, look if there's any uh, computer dots or there's any lines in the card. There's nothing there. This is a perfect card. Oh, this one has some imperfections. Because he's studied. He's looked at these cards for years and years and years, and he's studied and he's looked at them. And uh, a couple weeks ago, we watched this video where he found one of these cards. He has it in his possession where one of these cards for this whole set sold for $40,000. One card. One card originally was selling for 30000 and in August, I believe, of 2018, this one card sold on eBay for $40,000. This guy knows how to examine a card. He has looked at card after card after card. He's put himself out there. He's traded. He's gotten these things back. He's found these cards. He's put them in the pocket. He's deemed these cards worthy to be worth something because he's put in the time and the effort to examine these cards. You need to test yourself in the Word of God and if you deem it worthy and approve of what the message says, then it is time to start believing and acting on the Word of God no matter what is facing you in your life. It's time to go into this book. And if you deem it worthy, then it's time to start examining this book and looking at the Scriptures. Because there are Scriptures that are worth way more than $40,000 that can transform your life. It says in the scriptures that God is in the business of taking you from glory to glory to glory. God's not in the business of taking you backwards. He's not in the business of making you fail to try and learn again. He's in the business of taking you where you're at right now, which is glory. And he wants to take you to a higher plane of glory. And then he wants to take you to a higher plane. He doesn't want to bring you back. He wants to bring you forward. He wants to have you have a successful life. He wants to see you succeed. It's time to test ourselves. And if we deem it worthy, then we need to hold fast to what is good. 
The last part is remind yourself. Scripture says, 2 Corinthians 13, 5, examine yourself as to whether you are in the faith. Test yourself. And in the second part of verse 5 says, do you not know yourselves that Jesus Christ is in you? Unless indeed you are disqualified or you're not saved or not in the kingdom. In verse 6 he says, but I trust that you know that you are not. I believe that I'm sitting in a room full of people who are not disqualified. We are all saved. We are all in the kingdom of God, which means we are all entitled to the kingdom principles of this book. If you're not saved and you don't know Jesus, come talk to me afterwards. We can get you in the kingdom real quick because it says, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. There's no prerequisite. Just believe and receive. Just believe and receive. Paul asks, do you not know yourselves that Jesus Christ is in you? Remind yourself. Remind yourself. Do you not know that Jesus Christ is in you? Paul writes to the church of Corinth in 1 Corinthians 3 and says almost the same thing. We've heard this scripture before. This is one of the scriptures that I pray as we end the service. Do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? First Corinthians, I mean, 2 Corinthians says that Jesus is in you. Here it says that you're the temple of God and the Spirit of God dwells in you. Paul says right there that the entire Trinity is inside of us. Jesus, God, the Holy Spirit, they're all there. And in Psalms it says, if God is on my side, I will not fear. What can any man do to us? It's time to remind ourselves who's on our side. It's time to remind ourselves that greater is he that's in me than anything that can come against me in this world. Because if we're being honest, we forget. We get caught up in the weeds of life. And we forget who's on our side. We forget the price that Jesus paid for us. We, we, we forget that in Him, all the promises are yes. And in Him, all of those are yes and amen. We forget that sometimes. And we've got to remind ourselves no, 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 God is on my side. The victory is on my side. The Savior's on my side. The King of kings and the Lord of lords is on my side. The captain of my salvation is on my side. The captain of, the, of our eternal author of salvation is on our side. The lion and the lamb is on my side. The victor is on my side. Even in the dire moments, we have to remind ourselves. Ever since I've been a young kid, um, I've not been the greatest swimmer. I had a uh, not-so-nice swim teacher when I was uh, young. Uh, she taught me more to drown than swim. Um, and uh, she, uh, she put the, the fear of water in me. And I've just, I, can, I think I can swim to survive. Uh, sometimes I've proved myself wrong almost. Um, when I was in college, I, I went on a cruise uh, with a couple of guys, and we went to, to Mexico, and uh, we're out on a beach having fun, and uh, there's these inflatable things that you can jump on and, and roll down, and it's probably 100 yards away. 50, 50 yards away was a trampoline, and uh, I was able to walk out there and then swim my way to the trampoline, and then all my friends said, hey, we're going to go way out into the Gulf of Mexico, the middle of it, it looked like and we're going to go slide off that. I said, well, I'm going to stay on the trampoline. Uh, I, I just don't, I, I just want to be careful. And, uh, and so after they got done swimming over there, I said, well, I'm going to go back to the beach and wait for them. So I jump into the water, ploosh, and I start swimming. 
and I get, I don't know, close to the shore, and I think in my mind that I'm close enough to the shore to stand up. I'm a tall guy. I knew that I had walked a decent way out there, and I went to stand up in the water, the Gulf of Mexico, crystal clear, beautiful sun, great time, and I sunk to the bottom of the Gulf of Mexico. And here I am in college, basically sitting Indian style, legs crossed at the bottom of the ocean, and I'm having this realization with myself of this isn't going well. Eventually you're going to run out of air and you are really far underwater. There is no lifeguard. There is nobody who even knows that you're underwater right now and you need to figure out how to get up and get some air. And there was a part of me that came to peace with, I'm going to die here in the Gulf of Mexico. I'm going to drown in the Gulf of Mexico. And in that moment of sheer terror, potentially dying, I had to remind myself, you know how to swim, push off of the water, push off the floor, get up, get some air, and start paddling your butt as much as you can. So I kick myself up and get some air, and I'm like a fish just, just flailing, you know, just a cat in water, limbs are going everywhere, and I start just kind of like paddling, this is probably how I really did it, and I mean from me to the seat, I finally hit land and stand up, and it's like to my knees. And I come like as a drowned cat out of the water, just (gasps) gulping in all the air like I just swam a marathon. When I was in Dallas, and I was a young adult pastor, we went to a lake, and uh, we were paddle boarding and and doing some things with our young adults group. And uh, we had to go around this area uh, to get to the beach area that, that we were going to eat lunch at. And we had some coolers and some things, and, and there was a, a, a part in the, the lake where it looked like a straight shot from land to land. We'd have to get in the cars, go all the way around, park and go all that. And I said, hey, why don't we just swim across this little uh, area and, and we'll be fine. And some of the people said, no, we'll do it. I said, it's like right there. It's probably not that deep. I'll walk. And uh, there was like four or five of us. And we said, you know what? Let's go. Okay, here we go. So I jump in and I start swimming. Boy, I'm looking like Michael Phelps. I'm killing it. And I start getting tired. And I'm like, man, this is, this is a lot deeper and a lot further than I thought. Now, by this time, I'm married. I think we have Noah at this time. And I go to put my head up out the water and be like, I've got to be close to the shore. And I'm in the dead middle of this little lake area. And I start sinking like I normally do. And I start going underwater. And once again, in this moment, I have this clarity of I'm probably going to die right here because I am sinking way quicker than I am swimming. And this is, I'm in a bad situation right here. And once again, I had to remind myself and calm myself, you know how to swim, get up out this water, you're not going to die, you've got a wife and a kid to take care of, get to the other side. Okay, here we go. I drink a lot of water, and I come kicking up out of there, and I look, and there's like two or three guys next to me that we're all swimming. I said, well, i got to play it cool because I'm a young adults pastor. I can't look like an idiot in front of all these guys. So we swim, and I finally get to the other side of the shore. And once again, cat out of water, just sprayed on the mud, just, (gasps) oh, that was a bad, bad decision. But we need to remind ourselves that in the middle 
of our fears and failures, in the middle of the biggest attack that has ever come against us, we've got to remind ourselves who is on our side, that Jesus lives inside of me, that I am the temple of God, that the Holy Spirit resides inside of me. And if he's on my side, God plus me equals the majority. And therefore, if that's the majority, then nothing can come against me. No thing that comes against me can win. Greater is he that's in me. Anything that can try and come against you in the world, you got to remind yourself who's on your side. And if God's on your side, boy, ain't no devil in hell going to be able to beat you or defeat you. As we finish up today, as we finish up this year, I hope that this sermon will help you to examine yourself. Examine yourself, where you're at in life. Test yourself. Remind yourself. We go all the way back to the beginning. Genesis. Adam and Eve have sinned. They've eaten the fruit. They're embarrassed at their current status in life. They were at their highest spiritual position at one point. And they've sinned and they've failed and they're embarrassed and they're naked and they're ashamed and they're trying to cover themselves They're caught deep in the roots of life, deep in the weeds of life. They aren't looking at the big picture anymore. They are so caught up in that. And in that moment of failure, in that moment of shame, in that moment of insecurity, Genesis chapter 3 verse 9 is something that just resounds inside of my soul every time I sin or mess up. It says, then the Lord God called to Adam. Number one, it doesn't matter how far away you are, God is still calling you. He is still reaching out to you. He is still calling you by name and looking for you and said to him, where are you? And God is here today calling you by name, asking you the simple question, where are you? What happened in 2019? Did you get closer to God? Did you get further from God? Did you see some miracles? Did you see some struggles? And God is sitting on the edge of eternity and He's calling you out by name. Where are you? Where are you? You can be like Adam. Say, well, I was was naked and I was ashamed and I, I was... God doesn't even... He says, who told you that? Even in this moment of sin and failure and struggle, God's grace is still there and He still cares about the human. And He says, who told you that you were naked and ashamed? God is asking you today, who told you that you were a failure? Who told you that you were a sinner? Who told you that you were struggling here? Who told you any of those things? Because that's not what God told you. What has God told you? What has God been telling you? It's time to quiet ourselves and hear what God has to say. There's enough loud noises that are screaming in this world about who I am. Who I am as a Christian, who I am as this, who I am as that. There's enough noise going all of that there. But I need to quiet myself because God's saying, where are you? Because I want to show you something. I want to take you somewhere. I want to teach you something. I want to bring you somewhere that you've never been before. And it starts with us examining ourselves, testing to see if we're in the faith. What's my heart saying? What's my mouth saying? And if those aren't in line, then I need to fix it. It's testing yourself with the Word of God. If you deem that it's good, 
hold on to it. If it's good in your life, hold on to it. And then you just need to remind yourself. You need to remind the devil. You need to remind your bank account. You need to remind your family. You need to remind people who's on your side. If God's on my side, I'm not going to fear. What can any man do to me? Amen? Be blessed in this word today. Let's stand up as we get ready to hand us. Take some time this week to examine yourself. Take some time this week. We're on the verge of 2020, a brand new year, a brand new decade that you can step into that can change your life, that you can believe that God is on your side, that His faith and His Word will work, and 2020 will be the best year of your life. Going into this decade will be the best decade of your life. And right now, in this moment, is telling you where your faith is. In your mind, are you saying, yeah, it will be the best year of my life? Or is your mind saying... Pastor, you don't know what's happened. You don't know what I've dealt with this last decade. Death and life are in the power of your tongue. And the direction that your life is going to go this next year and this decade is dependent on what you're saying and getting that word in your heart. Amen? Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your wonderful, wonderful word, that it is a two-edged sword that is cutting us to our heart, Father. It is speaking to our heart. It is cutting the fat. It is cutting the worry. It is cutting the insecurity. It is cutting the doubt. It is cutting all those things off of us, and it is showing us our true heart and our true nature because we want to be like you, and we hear your voice today as you ask us, where are we? And we've got to come to the realization in our lives of Maybe we're not as close to you as we want to be. Maybe we're struggling in areas that we shouldn't be struggling anymore. Maybe we're dealing with addictions and failures and things that have happened in our past that it's time for us to let go. It's not good, and so if it's not good, we deem it not good or worthy, we're going to let it go. And we're going to hold fast to what is good in our lives. And every day, we are going to remind ourselves who's on our side. Yes, I know what the world looks like. Yes, I know what this is saying and that is saying. But God is on my side. God is on my side. If God's on my side, he's given me the victory. He's given me the triumph. He's already taken the keys from the death, hell, and the grave. And if he's seated on the right hand of the Father resting, then I'm going to rest with him today. I'm going to rest with him today. Father, be with your people. Encourage your people. Speak to your people. Be gracious to your people. Love on your people. Bring peace to their hearts and to their minds and to their households. Father, I thank you that this word that goes forth, it does bear fruit in our souls, some 30, some 60, even 100 fold. Father, it says in your word that right now we have the mind of Christ and that our body is the temple of the Most High God. Where you reside, no sickness or disease can reside there because by Jesus' stripes we are already healed. Father, I thank you that everyone here is the head and not the tail. We're above and not beneath. We're blessed in the city and blessed in the field. We are blessed where we are right now and we're blessed in the future that you're bringing us into. Because we are your sons and daughters, you have given us the favor of God. You have given us the power to obtain wealth and you have told us that everything we put our hands to must prosper when we use the authority in the name of Jesus. Finally, Father, I thank you that Press Church in the congregation is the city set on a hill. We are the salt and light of Williston in this region, in this area, Father. We will go out and we will share this gospel message with people. We will go tell them about the goodness of God. We will overcome the devil in this area by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. Father, use us this week to be a blessing to someone in this community and invite them to church. In Jesus' name, Father, protect your people, bless your people, and cause 
them to prosper in everything they do this week. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you for listening to Press Church Podcast. If you would like more information about us or are interested in giving to our ministry, you can click the link in our bio or visit presschurch.org. Don't forget to follow us on social media at Press Church SC and have a great week.